Welcome to the Crossways Podcast, a podcast where we talk about how we can walk in the way of the cross. I'm your host, Jonathan Germany, and with me is my great friend, Joshua Fowler. This podcast is a podcast part of the Ministry League Network of Podcasts and brought to you by Holly Hill Church of Christ and Goodwood Church of Christ. We're glad you're here. Oh, morning. What is it's afternoon here, but I am ready. Uh, I think I'm ready to go. Um, as you can tell, for those who are listening, I sound a little bit different. Um, I sound the best I've sounded in like a week. So (laughs) this is good news, but I'm here and I'm glad to be here. And Josh, I know you're also tired. You had a big trip that you just got back from. We did, yeah. We went out to uh, Matamoros, Mexico. Um, got a chance to sit with a little church plant we've got out there just across the border from Brownsville. Um, a little church started with, uh, man, six or seven people. And they're up to almost 30 now in a little less than a year, even through COVID and such. They just keep outgrowing everything that they are, are building and doing, so... That's good took news. Some, took some supplies and materials down there and got to meet the people. Uh, I told the kids that I took, I was like, look, I have no idea what the work is going to look like. There may be work for you to do. It's a small space. There may not be. Uh, we're really going down here to build relationships more than we are to work. Um, but we were able to do a whole lot of work as well. So there's always something to do, I guess, on a oh yeah, on always. a trip like that. We can, we can find somewhere to go to work. But it was really good. We got in about 2 o'clock this morning. Rolled in there, so easy, uh, easy trip, just long. Yeah, for sure. Well, good. Well, good. I always like the trips where you can bond with people and uh, just be a part of some good work. So that that is awesome. Uh, that is awesome. And I know that's uh, <clears throat> uh, those trips often have parts of the trip are are little events during that trip that always make for a great story. You know, and you see what I did there, but they always make like one day, this is going to, you know, this is what we're going to tell everybody when we get home. You know, there's always something just outlandish, whether it's an encounter you had, whether it's something weird you saw, whether it's a conversation you had, you always hold on to those and say, I can't wait to get back home or get back to the States or get back wherever so I can share what happened with others. Because we get excited when we are a part of something different. At least that's how I feel when I'm yeah. going on trips. That's right. How how badly did you sound last night if Bruce says you sound better today oh, than you did yesterday? It was it, I could hardly talk. <laughs> and and Monday was worse. Monday I was supposed to teach and I just I woke up at like before 6 and I just I knew kind of the person might be up, but I just Send a message to the principal, or the and said, "Yeah, I'm not coming in today," mm-hmm. and uh, I can't. I mean, I couldn't talk. And Tuesday was a little bit better. Wednesday was. I mean, it's been getting a little bit better, but no, I was I was not doing too good. I know when I talked to you over the weekend, um, it was a steady decline. Like yes. Every time I talked to you, oh, well, you were you guys were at lads. It's like. Um,
getting better. It is apparently getting worse <laughs> as the day goes on. But I didn't, I've never felt awful. It's just this. Right. And I'm like, right. I feel like I could go out and just whatever, do do anything, but. Run six miles? Well, I can't run six miles when I'm like <laughs> breathing normally and not coughing. <laughs> So that would be a negative Ghost Rider. Negative. That's right. <laughs> well, hey, let's get into this. There's a lot to go oh, yes. today with these two acts. So um, you want to recap a little bit of where we went two weeks ago, and then we'll pick up in Act 2. Yeah, so we started reviewing uh, the, the book Epic, The Story God is Telling by John Elridge. And we, we really just started with the prologue and the entrance of, um, of, of I'm sorry, we didn't do that one. My bad. Almost jumped ahead of us. The the prologue and the eternal love, kind of the the beginning of the story. How how you know, what I really liked is some you feel like we're dropped in the middle of a story. We talked about we're we're dropped in the middle. We kind of feel like how do I fit in this story? That's the question. Where do I fit? And then with the beginning of of Act One was really where I think we spent most of our time. Because every story starts the same way, at least somehow, right? In the beginning, right. or once a, you know, once upon a time, or in a, like you, and I think he even mentions this in a galaxy far, far away, or mm -hmm. even some of the the greatest, uh, what we would consider some of the greatest literature, right? Um, I just went blank. Hold up. The opening of the Tale of Two Cities. It was uh, the best of times. Yeah. It was the worst of times. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, once upon a time, here's here's the we're laying out the beginning of the story, and, and that that's kind of what I took a lot of out of it. And I know you have some, a lot of different things that you gravitated toward in Act One. I gravitate toward the end, the beginning, and you had I think a little bit different perspective. Oh man, I don't know your favorite areas. It's uh, it's it's really. It's hard to even know where to where to start, right? I know the there's thing, so much. Uh, yeah, the one thing that really struck me, uh, and it, this is particularly when it comes to just telling the story, is uh, he makes a he makes one of these points about uh, you know we need to know that love lasts. Yeah, and, and the reason that divorce is so devastating is because it ends the story, um, and just like that, the past is lost, the future is uncertain. The pictures come down off the walls. Certain names are never mentioned again. The love story is over, and you can't count on it. Um, and and that point about the the way that love is built into our identity, um, really, it just really kind of it, it sticks with me, um, and and really kind of brings to a head what it is that is so devastating about things like that that transpire when you think about you know hey the story's not supposed to end this way um and we talked about some some movies and things that drive me bananas because of the ending and i'm sure they'll come up again because i love to harp on them because they're some people's favorite movies and i hate them because the ending is not the way the ending is supposed to be so oh it's all about the ending for me all about the ending uh, and for some of us, it's all about the middle, right? It's That's all right. about the action. As long as That's it's right. good action, Michael Bay blowing up stuff, you know, will be great. No, I'm just – that's not me necessarily. Uh, I think for me it's the, the, whole, the holistic picture, right? Mm -hmm. the, 
if if and what really nothing makes me more frustrated and it happens more in TV shows when characters who are maturing and developing from one season to the next and then like another season all of a sudden they've lost all the maturity they developed over the last few seasons mm-hmm. and I'm like hold up for like no ex- no explained reason and I'm like no this is not what this character will be doing anymore now right. you know season one yeah but based off of the way you've been writing this person it's just that is more frustrating to me is when you unravel all the development you've you've spent an entire book, entire movie, entire series building. And you're like, Oh, Nope. I don't like that. Let's start over. Yeah. Well, like, you know, the, the ending, like I, I really liked the story of castaway until the end. Like <laughs> it, if I wanted to see that end, I would have just watched the news because that's the way real life ends. Yeah. I didn't come to movies to see something that I can get every day. I came to move to, to the movies, to the stories to see the ending, that that happy ever after ending, you know that that we're kind of designed to crave. Um, and in story, when you don't see that ending, uh, it when I don't see that ending, it leaves me just unfulfilled. It's like this is life. I didn't come to a movie to see real life. I came to a movie to see something that I don't get in real life, which yeah. is often that happy ending. Um, yeah. we want so, a happy ending. Yeah, we want that. Whatever created the problem, we want a resolution of the problem. Yeah, and and maybe even more than a happy ending, I want the perfect ending. Yeah. Um, because some people would say it's happy, but I mean, happy is enough. I want the perfect fairy tale ending, mm-hmm. um, that we expect to see. But, um, but that's we can't the story. Yeah, so we can't have a perfect ending without first having, I would say, conflict. Because then you just have a bunch of Mayberry, which again is not is just nonsense too. Right? right? If there's no conflict, if there's no villain, then there's no need for the resolution and no need for a perfect bow on top at the end of the of the movie. Otherwise right. you're just watching a everyone's ha- happy and euphoric and yay. And like, okay, well that didn't there was no purpose in this. And yeah. is there a villain in every story? Um, I, I, I challenge you to find one where there isn't, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not always this hugely evil presence. Or um, person. But there is, yeah. there is always a antagonist. Without a protagonist and an antagonist, is there a story to tell? <laughs> you yeah. Know? Um, and so there's there's always this uh, this this character in a story that is something that has to be overcome in one way or another, either an obstacle. Sometimes it's an evil. Sometimes it's a deep evil. Um, sometimes they're just present in the story. Um, and and we see this here in, in Act Two of Epic that that he brings the villain in, mm-hmm. and there's this point that that he makes where he says, "Hey, we are not alone." Uh, you are not alone. And, you know, we've, we see that from the very beginning, right? From Eden, we see that, which I guess we'll get to Eden in Act 3. Uh, we see it even before Eden. You know, when in the beginning, 
God is there. The Spirit of God is there hovering over the surface of the deep. Um, we see from Ezekiel that there is even a whole world that transpires before the beginning that we know. And so there is this presence, there is this uh, presence of characters that are already existing even before our universe is created. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I like this here, Bruce. Uh, every good story needs a hero and a villain to have um, that fairy tale ending. Um, really, that 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 story structure needs those two things. So, yeah, and and I think a lot of times we'll you know, like I said earlier when you were talking about it, the the villain doesn't have to be a person. Uh, it could mm -hmm. be your hero has a flaw that he that is the villain. Right, you know, sometimes we're watching um, maybe a movie or reading a book, or someone's battling an addiction. Okay, mm -hmm. well, that addiction is now the villain. That's that. That's the the evil that's in the story, that the hero is battling against. So too often when we hear villain, we think comic book villain. You know, we think, you know, evil Hitler or someone. You know, but that's not always the case. And maybe, you know, I think we'll get this, get to this too later, but maybe we're not just the, like we, we're not the hero maybe. <laughs> maybe I'm yeah. not always the hero in every story. I'd like to be the hero of my story at least. Right. Um, but I'm not even that. the hero of my own story. No. You know, um, not even the hero of my own story. Uh, but there is this this question that everyone likes to ask, right, about God, <coughs> that that if God is good, you know, why is there evil that is present? Um, and it's like we are almost uh, like taken aback when we recognize that there is evil present in the world, that children get sick and die, that war, that famines, that earthquakes, that disasters that these things transpire, it's almost like they catch us off guard as if we aren't expecting them. Um, and I love it in the section where he talks about the characters of, of a story. It says if you open up a book and the characters of a story are knights and dragons, you're going to expect something that cartoon mice can't give you. <laughs> um, and it's like, it's, it's just, so what do we have to um, assume about the kind of story that we are in when the background of the story that we are born into talks about this war in the heavens. You have these angelic beings set at the four corners of, of existence to, to guard things. You have Lucifer being cast out of the heavens because of his pride and taking angels with him. And there is this conflict in the heavens. And all of these beings are introduced with the phrase... Don't be afraid. Mm -hmm. Every time an angel appears to anyone, that's their first words. Don't be afraid. These are probably not precious moments dolls that are appearing to people <laughs> yeah, to bring no. a message from God. They're warriors. They're warriors. These are, are beings that this is their presence. And if, and if these are the characters of the story that we were born into, um, we need to better understand and address the way those things play out 
um, around us, that, that there is a villain, there is an evil presence in the world today, there is something to overcome, uh, because it's the nature of the story that we are living in. And so we shouldn't be surprised when those things transpire. And, you know, look, Satan's, uh, Satan's scheme in our lives hasn't really changed since Eden because it's effective, right? Yeah. And, and what's crazy is people who say, well, if God really loved everything, wouldn't he prevent everything bad from happening? Well, that would also mean people who choose bad choices, God would be forcing them to do things one way as if a computer program or a machine mm -hmm. and then the next question would be well that's not ethical either <laughs> right right i mean so it's it's almost a this faulty logic i you know i think of the the fake euphoria that in time machine right when he went to that time and everyone's just euphoric and everyone's like talking peacefully there's no sudden movements everyone's just there there's no conflict except that weird thing where they're like called into whatever room that was right and mm -hmm. the main character i forget his name was going this is not right <laughs> this is wrong you are all being manipulated again their free will had been robbed, right? right? You know, and then when free will is robbed, then the question is, this isn't right either. Mm -hmm. So why? And I don't get why we're now. I think that we should be concerned or say, how can I help overcome the evil? But let's not kid ourselves when we say evil should never exist. Without evil, there can't be good. Without good, there really can't be evil. I mean. Just like uh, I heard this quote from a band that I listened to that said, you can't learn to tell the truth until you learn to lie. And I never thought about it that way. Mm -hmm. I, can, I can tell the truth, but I can't learn to tell the truth until I know there's an alternative. Well, in, in one sense, that's what you know, Paul says in uh, several of his letters is like, we yeah. know what is, what is evil because of the law. Yeah. You know, the law is present <laughs> to define what is good and what is evil. And you can't yeah. know what is good without there being something to contrast it against. Um, and so because of the presence of evil, we know what it is to be good. Yeah. Um, and so it's a it's a powerful, powerful under understanding about like this is the story that we're born into. These are the characters that we often choose to just ignore. Um, you know, I, I love the scene in. Uh, the book of Kings when Elijah is talking to his servant and you know, they're surrounded and he says, don't fear those who are for us are greater than those who are against us. And this looking at it and all he sees is the army. And so God, pr or he prays that God would open the eyes of his servant. And as the servant sees the armies of God on the horizon, you know, he realizes that there, there is a whole realm that we are not, I don't want to say we're not aware of. I think that we refuse to acknowledge. Um, there is enough that said that we just don't want to do it. I can get, yeah, I agree. And there's and there's this betrayal that comes about, right? Um, they they call it in the book betrayal and mutiny. Um, and and from the very beginning, 
from the very beginning in Eden, Satan approaches Eve with this question. Did God really say, you won't die? See, the reason God doesn't want you to eat this fruit is because he doesn't want you to be like him, which is exactly what Satan wanted, right? It's exactly what Lucifer wanted. He had everything except God's position, and he wanted that position. And so then he takes that and he moves to, to trying to convince mankind that God is keeping something from you. Is God really good? Because there's something you want that he has, and he doesn't want you to have it. And that is the fundamental basis for so much of the temptation and the sin and the evil that comes into our world. Is he has convinced us that God is not as good as he says he is. And he's not giving us everything that we want and everything that we need and everything that we desire. Or everything we, quote, deserve. Or deserve. Yeah, yeah that's he right. was saying, hey, you could be like God. He was playing on mankind's pride. I think as well. He yeah. knew that man was prideful and that all he had to do was say, here's a carrot. You could do, you, you could be like God. Imagine that. Yeah. And, and, and God's just feels threatened by you. And that, and that's where the problem really begins. And it's a, in every sin. Yeah. And, and I do want to get into act three because act three is really where, where yes. the story starts for us. And, and this idea of the goodness of God and, you know, that question, is God holding out on you, that Satan plagues us with, kind of comes down through throughout this. Um, and I think there's a, a, a lot to really, I don't know, I hate to use this term because it's so overused. There's a lot to unpack um, <laughs> in, in this as we kind of go through. But, you know, Act 3 begins talking about uh, romance. Mm-hmm. Um, and the love story, and and I love you have to. I mean, I need to like put this out, and and I probably just need to read this to the church sometime because this recounting of creation at the beginning of of Act Three that he records is just it's a beautiful picture that he paints, you know, of the darkness, and then a voice piercing the darkness as as light appears. Mm-hmm. And as he brings about all these things about creation, there is this awesome nature of the universe that God has created. Um, And he asks the question, have we lost the wonder of creation? He says, think about it. Elephants and cats. (laughs) Have, Have we lost the ability to just sit and just be in awe at the world that God has created for us. Uh, it's one of the things that I've appreciated about photography, right? Is it's, is it's gotten me into this place. I don't do well taking pictures of people. Um, they're, they're, I can't figure out how to pose them in a way. But I love taking landscape photos. Uh, of going out and just looking at different things, how they capture the eye. Flowers, mountains, valleys. Uh, there's some things that just bring me into that oneness with God's creation to be reminded that, man, there's some crazy stuff out here that we often take for granted, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and I think I think back to 
when I was at camp and one of our kids was in the Smoky Mountains for the first time. Mm-hmm. Now, he thought there was a fire in the mountains, which was kind of humorous. You know, I, I felt bad because this wasn't like a little kid. You know, this was a high schooler thinking that there was a fire in the mountains because he had never seen it before. Mm-hmm. But then once he, he understood what it was, it was just pure of, that's cool. Mm-hmm. And for me, who have, who have you know gone on vacation growing up to different areas, was like, oh yeah, that's kind of cool. I've seen it before. And I, I love looking at it, but sometimes even still, as much as I love the mountains, I still sometimes take it for granted. Or seeing the stars or a sunset, Thinking how beautiful that is, and now that I have a, a child, Kaysen, he is obsessed with his mobile. Mm-hmm. Has a little some little elephants, a giraffe, uh, a lion, and they're like his best friends. You lay him down there, turn that thing on, and it starts you know moving around in circles, and he starts cooing and moving his hands up in the air, and he will not look away because. Right. It's wonder to him. It's something unique. And I think as we age, we lose the ability to see the beauty in God's creation. Yeah. I, uh, my wife is so good at, at keeping that. Um, and, so, and so is my daughter. Uh, you know, if, if we're driving, she's like, the sky. You know, and the colors in the sky just always <laughs> capture her attention. Even in the middle of town, you know, the the sky as it changes colors always always captures her attention. She's always been semi obsessed with clouds. Um, she has been my kid who always just wants to go out um, as as far away from light as you can get and lay down and look at the stars. Um. Heather will set an alarm. That's my wife. She'll set an alarm when uh, the meteor showers are at their peak. And we will get up sometimes at 2 or 3 in the morning and drive out into the country to, to lay out and look at meteor showers. Eclipses. All kinds of different things that transpire in, in the sky and in creation. Um, and I, I appreciate that there is someone in my life that continues to pull me into those moments. Hey, no, hey don't forget about this stuff. Yeah. Because God made it just for you. And he placed you right in the center, or right in the middle, not in the center, but in the middle of this creation that he created for you. And you're here to govern it, to rule over it. Because you're created in man's Im- or in God's image. In the image of the one who made all of these things. Yeah. He said, here's mankind. Let us breathe our life into him. Let us stamp on him our image. Um, and there, there's something powerful there that I think uh, he is right when he says, have we lost the ability to wonder um, at the creation of God? And, and uh, I'll say this note, and then, then we can move on. Uh, that question really reminds me of the wonder switch. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we'll, I'll do a quick plug. If you haven't I read, I figured you would go there. I would, yeah. If you haven't read the Wonder Switch uh, by Harris the uh, Third, pick a copy up. He talks about how to unawaken that wonder, because uh, oftentimes we do have what he calls our Wonder Switch uh, turned off, 
And uh, so that would be a, a good follow-up. We probably won't review that book uh, right after this series. Um, but I, I encourage you guys to pick a, pick a copy up. And uh, you could read it in a couple of days. I would say one day, but there's some pretty heavy uh, stories in there that he accounts mm -hmm. that you really need to take a break from just to absorb and sit in. But, uh, pick a, you know, you can find it pretty much anywhere they sell books. Uh, very good book. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and as he wraps up this part of the, you know, the romance, I love this because he's come back to the problem of pain. And he actually quotes from The Problem of Pain by C.S. Lewis. Mm -hmm. um, because this is the reason uh, for what Lewis called the problem of pain. Why would a kind and loving God create a world where evil is possible? Doesn't he care about our happiness? Isn't he good? Um, indeed, he does, and he is. He cares so much for our happiness that he endows us with the capacity to love and to be loved, which is the greatest happiness of all. He endows us with the dignity that is almost unimaginable, for this creator God is no puppeteer. Um, and I, I think it just really kind of sets sets our perspective here in this is like even though there is pain the fact that there is pain gives us the ability to appreciate and experience the, the greatest happiness of all which is to be loved and to love um, and the problem with that is uh, when you love someone or something or are loved by someone or something uh, pain is a part of the process mm-hmm um, because we are human. Um, and so I thought that was pretty, uh, pretty cool before he got into the, Oh, absolutely. The, the paradise that is lost as, as this evil and sin is present, uh, in the world. Um, we have this downward spiral that begins in the garden and you see it throughout the book of Genesis, right? <laughs> I mean, um, it happens immediately and you have Cain and Abel, you have uh, the flood. You have the Tower of Babel. You have this awareness that people need something yeah. to govern them. Uh, because left to their own devices, they surrender to the evil. Um, and we see this betrayal that transpires here in Act 2. And in Act 3, which is where we live, you see that spiral continuing. Mm -hmm. um, that we, aren't, we just aren't what we were intended to be. We are not, as individuals, who we were created to be because of that. The paradise is lost. So. Yeah, I, I often think of the Lord of the Rings when I was reading this book, mainly because mm -hmm. he had several references to Lord of the Rings in the book. Right. But you think, it now, of course, you could go say, well, let's look at The Hobbit, because well, that's really a prequel. Well, just looking at the, the, the trilogy, Lord of the Rings... It was. It started in Act Three. You can say, "Well, no, it started in the Shire. Everything was perfect." Well, no, because the ring had already been made. You know, Sauron was already existing. He was just weak, and he built up to strength. So evil had already existed, and the ring hadn't been destroyed yet, and there was still evil there. And the and so the story starts with. Really, they were unaware of the evil, at least in the Shire. 
right? Mm -hmm. I mean, they were happy to not have to do with anything, to leave the Shire. That was kind of their little bubble, the happy little Mayberry Shire. And then this crazy Bilbo went in all these adventures, and now the crazy Bilbo has this ring, and now Frodo has this ring, and then Gantoff's like, oh, no, this is like the ring, and we have to get rid of this. And then what are we going to do with this evil? What are we going to do with this downward spiral between now those who know it exists, the men trying to then take it to rise to power. You have the other evil. So you have this downward spiral in these just what we would say insignificant characters at the beginning of the story who end up really saving the day. And uh, which is interesting, but we can see the evil throughout the whole story in the downward spiral, you know, maybe that we, we can relate to from this book where evil was always around the corner and people were having to choose. Am I going to give in to what's easy or am I going to choose the, the hard way, the hard route? Yeah. And th there's this awareness, like even, even in the story there, Lord of the Rings once, um, you know, once Frodo has, um, um, I'm, I've lost. He gets into this place where he almost turns into, yields to the same temptation that Gollum had yielded to. Right? Was it with the ring or was it with the stone? Uh, it was the ring. The uh, the tw the the brothers were messing with that stone. Oh, that's you know. So he's there. Full of a And what we. <laughs> What we realize is is there is this this piece of the villain that is present in each one of us. Um, I've been listening to a podcast called Around the Circle, and he talks about villains and how villains, when they villains are people who have dealt with their security in an unhealthy way. Um, they have have authority. They have everything. All their needs are met, but instead of dealing with that in a healthy way, they deal with it in an unhealthy way. And, you know, I think about, you know, our own lives and the way that we have to battle this temptation to become self-reliant and self-promoting and self-aggrandizing. Or are we going to take the path of surrender even in our places of security? Um, you know, the evil has come in, the villain has come into our story and told us, yeah, you don't want to surrender to that God. That God's been holding out on you. Now you have everything you need. Now you can go and you can take the place that is really yours. Mm -hmm. And and in the story, sometimes it feels like, you know, evil's in power. And and there is a time, it seems, in every story where evil does hold power at least for a little while. Uh, but the, the the fact that evil does hold that point of power helps us realize um, we need a savior. Uh, we need a hero to come in um, and to save the day, which takes us here to the to the last part of uh, this third act in the book uh, where he talks about the hero. Uh, he talks about the one who comes in uh, to bring salvation. Definitely. And, and I'm finding a quote for us that, that I, that I always liked and I, trying to find the full quote and uh, I'm sure I'll get there in, in just a second. 
Um, so if you have anything else to talk to, you know, give me about a minute, I'll find oh, it. No, no, I will. <laughs> um, there, uh, I think of the story of Aladdin. The you know the princess dresses up like a like a pauper, like a beggar, and she goes into town and she comes across Aladdin, and then Aladdin, who is the beggar, becomes the prince. And so to see, we see this regularly, right? Right with you know the hero of the story, who has this place of position and prominence and power, um, coming down to you know, a different level to connect with people in a different way. It's the story of Cinderella. It's the story of, of so many of the, the love stories on the Hallmark channel, um, you know, married to a prince. I didn't know he was a prince. And so I fell in love with this person and then I find out that he's a prince. And now then there's this story that goes along with trying to, to cope with that. Yeah. And that's exactly what God did, right? Being made in appearance as a man, and being humbled, he humbled himself and became obedient to even death on the cross. And therefore God exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, um, and every tongue confess that Jesus is this, this Lord. And so, you know, this is the presence of the hero coming down and taking on the form of his people mm -hmm. and, and bringing his, his bride, if you will, you know, back to a place of prominence where they were created to be. Definitely. Did you find a quote? I did find the quote, but I, we may have moved on a little bit, but but we'll go back just, just temporarily. Okay. And uh, I wanted to make sure I found the full quote. And because uh, as we're talking about this, this evil in the world, it's from Lord of the Rings, and I just recently watched it, so that's why it's in my head. And uh, Sam had one of the most brilliant quotes, I think, when it came to dealing with the, the darkness. Now this will deal with also kind of beyond the darkness and mm -hmm. the resolution, but this quote was said in the, the two towers. So in the middle of the story, when everything was going terribly, and he said, it's like in the great stories, Mr. Frodo, the ones that really mattered, full of darkness and danger they were. And sometimes you didn't want to know the end, because how could the end be happy? How could the world go back to the way it was when so much bad had happened? But in the end, it's only a passing thing, the shadow. Even darkness must pass. A new day will come, and when the sun shines, it will shine out the clearer. Those were the stories that stayed with you. That meant something, even if you were too small to understand why. But I think, Mr. Frodo, I do understand. I know now. Folk in those stories had lots of chances of turning back, only they didn't. They kept going because they were holding on to something. That there is some good in this world, and it's worth fighting for. And, and, and that quote has stuck with me, uh, because even though there is evil, and we are kind of, we have that choice. Are we going to turn back and just accept mm -hmm. that, well, I'm going to give in to the evil? And I'm just going to, because there can't possibly come anything good. Are we going to realize that there is good and press on, which kind of also, and remember, like you were saying, there is a hero of the story. And the hero right now in, in this story that for us is Jesus, who came down in the form of a servant. 
Yeah. And that's worth fighting for. He fought for it. That's worth, you know, that's the winning side. But sometimes, because the way life is going, evil does hold on to this, this sense of, it seems sometimes evil's holding on to power. Our evil's in control. And we ask their, ourselves, is there really, is it really going to get better? And no, that's, the I, lie I think it's, uh, that, that's the lie Satan's told us. In, in the story, it, it always revolves often around this this hush, right? Yeah. This hush in the story. Um, in, in Gladiator, you've had the, you know, the roar of, of the crowds. And right before, you know, the moment it's going to cost Maximus his life, the crowd is silent. Um, you know, in Titanic, it's, you know, the whistles stop blowing from people who are calling for help uh, right before, you know, Jack says, we can't, we're not both not going to live. And he lets go and he gives his life so that Rose can live. But there's this silence that comes for that. And then after that, she begins calling for help again because she sees help on the way. Um, in the story of Jesus, you know, there's this hush after darkness has come over. And, you know, right as Christ gives up his last breath, the silence is broken here, you know, by a couple of things. Uh, one, it's broken by a Roman centurion who looks at the way Jesus died and says, surely this was the Son of God. Mm -hmm. um, the silence is broken another time by Jesus crying out, it is finished. Um, I was reading about you know the sacrifices, and, and a guy was recounting this, and he said, imagine this. He said, at three in the afternoon on Friday, there was a sacrifice given in the temple. There were two sacrifices given every day in the temple for the atonement of the people. Um, the lamb would have been tied up at noon to the altar. And at three in the afternoon, um, this would be the ninth hour, a shofar would have sounded from the temple as the priest sacrificed a lamb for the atonement of the people. And at that exact same moment, as the shofar sounded, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Christ cried out on the cross, it is finished, and he gave up his spirit, and he died. Mm -hmm. says, I mean, tell me that silence isn't broken in a way. We don't yet understand the victory because we haven't experienced Sunday yet in the story. But in Friday, you are aware that there is something going on here. There is something powerful that is transpiring. Um, that this hushed silence is broken at a victorious moment that may not feel victorious because it seems like the hero is dead and that evil is reigning. Um, but just like, you know, Rose recounts of Jack, I wanted to say Leonardo DiCaprio. You know, <laughs> as, as she recounts the story, you know, you see this, this old older woman, you know, reflecting back on that. And she says, he saved me in every way possible mm -hmm. um, and that is the story that we are a part of we are here yes evil is present yes there are these things going on but you've been given the ability to love and not only do you have a hero you have a hero who is a savior um, he was a king 
disguised as a beggar who came to his people, who claimed his victory, and he's come to save you in every way possible. Um, And that's the story that we are living in, and that's the story that our hero is trying to tell us that he's invited us to be a part of. So, yeah, and 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 we're, I would say we're all supporting casts, and and what I mean that is we're all, we're not the the we're not the hero, but maybe we're all Sam's. Now, in my opinion, maybe we're all Frodo's because Sam was the true (laughs) hero. I think we all know that. Because without saying, but I think we're all like the fellowship, right? <laughs> if we're using the Lord of the Rings, you know, analogy, right. we're all together supporting the hero. But the hero is going to succeed in the in, in the story of Jesus. The hero actually has already succeeded. It's just now up to us: is do we want to join him in his story, or do we want to do our own thing? And mm-hmm. I would really say, uh, let, let's remember that saved in every way, kind of like from the Jack pursuing Rose, where he said, you don't have to live the life you're living now. You can become who you really should be and right. uh, waken up that inner purpose in life. And our inner purpose is uh, to glorify God. So it's good stuff, man. Absolutely. We're wrapping it up next week. Me too. Me too. Well, (coughs) (laughs) woohoo! I muted the mic that time. Alrighty. Well, we're gonna wrap up before my voice goes completely away. Uh, Thank you for watching. If you watched us live, um, thank you for joining us on the Crossways podcast, where we uh, talk or attempt to talk about how we can walk in the way of the cross. And we want to remind you of 1 Peter 2, 21, um, which says, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. We want to thank the Ministry League for allowing us to be a part of their network of podcasts, and we'll see you guys next week.